This episode of TGC Podcast is sponsored by Acts 29 with an invitation to their 2024 Next Conference happening April 15th through the 17th in Dallas, Texas. You don't want to miss this great lineup of speakers, including Sam Albury, Matt Chandler, Brian Loritz, John Piper, and more. The Next Conference will equip and encourage church planters and church leaders of all types for church ministry. To learn more and register for Next, visit acts29.com slash next. TGC podcast listeners will receive a special discount of $20 off registration prices by using the code TGC. Again, visit acts29.com slash next. That's acts29.com slash next. This episode of TGC Podcast is brought to you by Crossway. In today's rapidly changing culture, ancient liturgical tradition is not only biblical, it's essential. In Crisis of Confidence, Carl Truman analyzes how creeds and confessions can help the Christian church navigate modern concerns, particularly around the fraught issue of identity. He contends that statements of faith promote humility, moral structure, and a godly view of personhood, helping believers maintain a strong foundation amid a culture in crisis. Pick up a copy of Crisis of Confidence wherever books are sold, or visit crossway.org plus to find out how you can get 30% off. This episode of the Gospel Coalition podcast is sponsored by Southern Seminary, training pastors, missionaries, and leaders for gospel service to the ends of the earth. Learn more at sbts.edu. This is the Gospel Coalition podcast, where we seek to renew the contemporary church in the ancient gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Colin Hansen. Today's podcast is a discussion with John Onwuchekwa, Juan Sanchez, and Jonathan Lehman on what churches should do to attract and disciple men. Uh, Brothers, a contested topic these days is what does it mean to be a man? Right. Just recently in media and in the news, there are a lot of conversations about toxic masculinity and people's reactions to overly aggressive forms, say, of what it means to be a man and commercials talking about that and so forth and reactions and counter reactions to what manliness is or even contesting the very category itself. Certainly there's been a topic among Christians, complementarianism versus egalitarianism. And even, even more closely, you think about churches addressing men's ministry. How do we do men's ministry and examples of this in one church and an example of that in another church? You're both full-time pastors, right? Both lead pastors. How do you think about uh, drawing men to your church and teaching what it means to be a man? So, I mean, at our church right now, you know, we've got lots of young men, uh, younger than I am at least. And uh, so I think we've been really— impacted by Paul's words to Titus when he says, you know, um, encourage the young men mm-hmm. to be self-controlled. And uh, I know, you know, as I grew up, like lots of talks about man, uh, manhood uh, start with a discouragement. And I've just found like you never discourage anybody to faithfulness, mm-hmm. right? You can't mm-hmm. shame them into being self-controlled. And so it starts with us just trying to say, hey, how do we praise what we want to see more? How do we start with the men at our church? Just getting with two or three younger men and just starting with there and to walk with them for a time. And what we found is when it's really modeled and done well, that 
that becomes really an attractive crop that you you don't have to go out and recruit men to come in. People start to just catch a whiff of it. And yeah, and there's no real, real place uh, in our context, at least, that you see men going to get trained and developed and built up. So it creates. Are you intentional thinking like, OK, I want to get men? Yes. Do you intentionally think that, or are you just thinking I'm trying to get Christians and non-Christians to come? Yeah, well— Are you thinking men? No, yeah, yeah, men as well. Yeah, especially—so, um, you know, you 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 think of the church historically in our context, and it's uh, largely been built and run and supported off of the backs of our sisters, and we're grateful for that. But, yeah, so we have in mind—no, no, no, we want to raise up a crop of strong young men, so there is lots that we do— intentionally to raise them up. And there you're looking to scripture. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think in many ways we do what we're called to do, which is to preach the word, to to build up the church. And as we do that, um, one of the things that I ran into when I came to the church where I am 13 and a half years ago is I noticed that there actually was not a, a, a real clear biblical understanding of biblical manhood and womanhood. And so what we just set to do, you know, begin with with preaching the word, but also intentionally trying to develop, develop a culture of biblical manhood and womanhood and talk about uh, to, to reorient people into biblical roles. You know, uh, I live in Texas, and so there's a, a stereotypical ways to think about manhood. Right. And so... Uh, one of the things that I thought was really helpful in my thinking, I heard Matt Chandler give a talk on this, and, and he said, in our biblical view of manhood, we have to have a place for that man who is artistic, who is creative. You know, my undergraduate degree is in music, and so that really resonated with me, you know, in, instead of thinking manhood in stereotypical fashion or even womanhood in stereotypical fashion. Just really dig in. And what we learned is, is we were intentionally, say, in a Sunday school class, having a class on biblical manhood and womanhood, and, um, and even in our preaching, you know, making a application, we learned that our people started... Uh, capturing the language, and they started using the language of biblical manhood and, and womanhood. And so for how, us— How long is that Sunday school class? Uh, it's just a 45-minute long class on Sunday mornings. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, how many weeks is oh, it? Oh, it's it's about a semester-long class. Okay, just know? on manhood and womanhood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and what we find, especially with the younger folks that, that are imbibing the culture or, or, or just being influenced by the culture, I find that young people— um, they don't necessarily know how to think straight. They think emotionally. Well, my friend is, you know, my my friend who who is a girl and I want to identify as a boy and, you know, what's wrong with that? And if we don't help people know how to think and establish biblically God's design and the goodness of it and the blessings of it, um, then I think we, we leave our children and our younger folks up to confusion and to let the world inform their view of manhood and womanhood. Amidst cultural controversies and the back and forth, the reactions and the counteractions, uh, I think one of the ways we avoid imbalances is doing the best we can do, as you guys have described it, just to align ourselves up with Scripture, right? I'm not looking to import a certain cultural conception of masculinity or femininity, manhood, womanhood. Let me just emphasize what the, the Bible says in terms of what manhood and womanhood is. But also, I would say, 
in terms of, as it were, raising up godly men who lead, right? And so there, I just think elders. Yeah. yeah. What is what does the Bible say about elders? What can we do to cultivate a culture of discipling, right? Disciple making in our church that helps men to desire to be elders. So often in conversations, I'll say to a guy, I'll say, so John, what's, what's the, what's the difference between you and say you're a member of my church? What's the difference between you and an elder? Like what, what steps do you, a maturity do you have to take to become an elder? You know, you might be a young punk at this point, but hopefully that plants a seed where you start to think, okay, well, why am I not an elder? And so there I'm just trying to lay the, the, the foundation for what the Bible says about what godly men should be, and that's men who are leading their homes, or, you know, above reproach, not drunkards, self-controlled, husbands of one wife, manage our household well. That's a godly man, right? And so I think Scripture has it. Any other thoughts on this, brothers, about— Yeah, last thought. Um, we, uh, we adopted our daughter about two years ago, and at the time I was in the midst of a group of three guys we would meet— once a week in my house for three years to eat, yeah, 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 study God's word. We adopted my daughter just right smack dab in the middle of that, and they kept on coming. Mm. And so it's been crazy the past two years for them to come in, and it's the first time really in their lives that they've seen a child like from a baby, like grow up, and they get to know her, and they see the yeah, joy that she brings in our house. And so for the first time it. It, it kind of feels like it gives them a vision for, you know, the joy that can come in a simple life of being at home with your one wife and your one family. And they're watching Leading. you be a dad. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're watching so I you feel being like, a godly man. Yeah, that there's no substitute really for healthy models that create yeah. really this compelling vision yeah. for the joys that God yeah. gives. And yeah. Yeah, the simple, ordinary things that are so often taken for granted. So, sorry, last question. Do you, do you have men's ministries? Or are you trying more just to cultivate a culture? So, both and. So, we're trying to build a culture, and we're just now starting. Yeah, we're three and a half years in, so we're just now starting to try to see if there is something a little more organized that we can do, maybe to catch some of those men that are on the fringes. Yeah. Yeah, to, to back to your point, I, I think it's really helpful to help men understand, you know, who God made them to be, and that's the question about eldership. But even before that, what we learned is because in a lot of contexts, uh, it's the women who have been serving in the churches, creating spaces for men to serve and do something as simple as scripture reading in the gathered service it was fascinating for us. We thought, let's just visually show men being engaged, mm. reading scripture. Because they can be passive. That's right. Reading scripture and and praying before the, I get up to preach. And we just literally go through the directory. They have the freedom to say no, but we just want to go through the directory and just, you know, uh, encourage men to get up. And that's been really encouraging for us to see these men. Um, we have been encouraged by the way they pray. Some men that have been quiet in the church. Um, and then also some, some very deliberate for us training spaces, um, to encourage men to challenge them theologically, to think biblically. And so we have had some times where we would invite the men of the church to join us for a book study, um, or a theology study and, and challenge men, you know, theologically and intellectually. And that has been, that has really been encouraging. And one of the things that, that has happened 
is that from some of that, uh, a couple of men approached me not too long ago, and they said, we we want to see a little more structure. What do you think? I said, well, if the Lord is putting this on your heart, then, you know, let me encourage you. This is this is what we want to be doing. But I just encourage them to – it started out with them getting fathers and boys together, and, and then I think they decided to think – about expanding it more just to the men of the church. Let me just draw two principles that I heard you say that I think are transferable to most situations. Principle number one, looking for ways to give other men opportunities and make them visible in leadership. And number two, uh, not micromanaging everything in the church and giving other men chances to lead things they initiate that you don't necessarily lead. When you do that as a pastor— I think you're making your church an inviting place for men to come in and discover, hey, I can be a leader here. I can do stuff. That's wonderful. Yeah, excellent. So thanks for your time, guys. Right, yeah, thanks. sure. You've been listening to the Gospel Coalition podcast. For more gospel-centered resources, visit thegospelcoalition.org. Support for this podcast comes from listeners like you. Learn more and join us at tgc.org slash donate.